Father in heaven, we come before you and we acknowledge that you are the creator. You're the one true God. You spoke this world into existence and that you have not abandoned us. That you sent your son who lived and, and died for our sins and rose from the dead and gives us hope to even be here and to figure out what relationship with you is like. Um, and so tonight, I, as the pastor here, declare this space the space of God. I declare Jesus our King. And Holy Spirit, I ask that as we wrestle with truth, as we wrestle with things, that the things that are false, the things that, that, that we hear that aren't true, that you would give us the courage to push those aside and to believe what is true. Um, and I ask that you would bless our conversation this evening. In your name, amen. We are in a series um, called Rooted Disciples, and it's a year-long series, and I've loved this series, but here's where the idea comes from. The idea comes simply from Psalm 1 and Jeremiah 17:8, and the idea is we want to be trees that are rooted into Jesus so that when people come and bump up against us and interact with us, they don't experience us, they experience Jesus. And so we've kind of been through this whole year looking at what it might look like to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, and we've been going through the values of the village. So we started out with authenticity. What does it mean to be authentic? Honest with people and honest with God. What does it look like to be a disciplined follower of Jesus? How do we practice disciplines? How do we pray? How do we gather? How do we Sabbath? Those kinds of things. Then we looked at creativity. And how do we imitate our Creator and look at our life through a creative lens and use our creativity to express who God is? And then we talked about truth and how we needed to anchor into Jesus for us to not drift. So we talked about just the basics of Christianity. Um, and right now we're talking about accessibility. What does it mean to be accessible as a community? Okay? And so what I'd like to do to just kick us off tonight is read the definition of accessibility that we have on our website. And it's like a sermon in itself. So I'm going to read the definition because I know most of you can't read this because you're all old and have bad eyes. So let me read this to you. Okay? Accessibility. This is how we define it. From the beginning, we have believed that the, village, that the village should be a place where anyone can come and be accepted. We have fought hard against our prejudices and lies so that we can be doorways into the kingdom of God. We resist our exclusionary ways in order to allow people to find God at their own pace and in their own way. We seek to understand the perspective of others and to love them as they are. We find that Jesus was willing to associate with those whom society thought were outcasts, and we seek to emulate Jesus as we engage the people he places in our path. We hope to place no stumbling block between Jesus and the people we meet, except for the gospel itself. Okay? Wow, I love, I love that. It's a mouthful. It's a big obligation. But here's basically what we're trying to say. We know we're going to get in the way of Jesus and our goal as a community, or at least our desire as a community, is to get ourselves out of the way as much as we can so that when people experience Jesus and experience the church and experience Christianity, they're not experiencing all of our prejudices, but they're, and they're not wrestling with our brokenness as much as they're wrestling with what Jesus has to say about himself and who he says he is, because we want Jesus to be the thing that people taste 
and the thing that people experience. And so we've been in this five-week series on accessibility, and I think we're in our third week now. Um, but what I'd, whoops, what I'd like to do is just review for a second last week. Because what I said was, is that accessibility is relational. Okay, It has to be relational. You cannot be accessible in a way that you're pointing people towards Jesus if you have no relationship with anyone. If, the, if your life exists with very pleasant conversation, but no real relationship, right? You can't say, this is who Jesus is, if all you're talking about is the best beer and the latest sports team or what you put on Pinterest, right? This is not going to move you in, in a relational way. That's not really relationship, okay? But what we learned as we looked at Matthew was that it's, accessibility is not a passive thing. I think a lot of times what we think about when we're a community who says we're accessible what we're thinking is when people come here to this building or they come over to our house or whatever it is, that when they do that, then, yeah, we'll be accessible. Then we'll try really hard to make sure that they meet Jesus and we don't get in the way. But really what accessibility is all about is about engagement. Okay? Because we saw this with Matthew in Matthew where Jesus went and he engaged Matthew. He went to Matthew. Now, remember, we talked about all the bad things that Matthew was. And we talked about how Jesus was most likely taxed by Matthew. So it wasn't like Jesus got up in the morning and said, hey, I think it would be really interesting to get shaken down by Matthew and hang out with him. No, he had to go engage him, and it was actually there was a difficulty there. He had to take an initiative. Now, why did Jesus do that? Well, Jesus believed that he had something really, really good for Matthew. And so to be accessible, you and I actually have to believe that we have something really, really good that other people need, right? And so that has to be, to be accessible, we have to have that as a motivator so that we go and we engage people. It's not a passive thing, but it's an active thing. Now, we saw with Matthew last week that Jesus did something very interesting. He called Matthew to follow him. And what I said was, well, if you go read this guy named Paul in 1 Corinthians, what he says is, hey, Follow me as I follow Jesus. So one of the keys to being accessible is for you not just to engage people, go and deal with and be in a relationship with people who make you uncomfortable, but you have to call them to follow you, which implies that you're following somebody. right? And so when we talk about being a church that is accessible, right? a church is being accessible, um, it's really actually just connected to following Jesus. So the closer you follow Jesus, the more accessible your life is to people. The more they're going to see and understand and know Jesus. Okay. Now without re-preaching all of last week's sermon, I do want to take the little part that I ended with about following. Because if we're going to say that following and accessibility are connected to each other, then we need to kind of Start somewhere. We have to start with following. And I think sometimes there's a lot of misconceptions about following. So the first misconception I talked about last week is a lot of us believe that somehow we need to fix all the flaws that we have and all the brokenness and the things that are messed up in our life before we follow Jesus. Like that's, we got to deal with it. In fact, even if you've been following Jesus for a while and you call yourself a Christian, a lot of times you're thinking, I got to get it right so then I can get deeply connected to Jesus. 
But if you watched the disciples for three years, they were severely flawed and rarely got it right. And yet they were following Jesus. Right? They were stumbling along behind Jesus. The second thing, and this is a big one that you need to hold on to, is that you actually don't have to believe in Jesus to follow Jesus. The disciples didn't. It took them three years, and Jesus telling them he was going to die, and then them actually seeing him raised from the dead. And one of them, Thomas, had to stick his fingers in the side of Jesus just to be convinced and believe in Jesus. And in fact, Jesus told Thomas in the Gospel of John that you and I, us who believe a lot later, we're actually more blessed than the disciples because we don't get to stick our fingers in the side of Jesus. So this is really important. To follow someone you don't have to believe. Now, belief will come, I suspect, as you walk with Jesus. But you can start following. Now, the third thing before we jump into our text tonight I want to just touch on for a minute is following Jesus is about relationship. Following Jesus is about relationship. And the reason I say that is I think somehow we have sort of figured that relationship with Jesus is really about fear. Right? I am afraid of being damned to hell. I'm afraid of being separated from God forever. I'm, the reason I follow Jesus is because I don't want anything horrible to happen to me and I want to go to heaven when I die. Well, relationship, that, that's not a healthy relationship. If any of you are in relationships where you're afraid of the person, that's not a good relationship. I want to read to you Romans chapter 2, um, verse 4. And this verse is really at the core of who the village is as we think about relationship with Jesus, as we think about following Jesus. So I'm going to read to you in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Um, and I really want to just focus on the last part of this verse, but listen to what it says here. Or do you show contempt... For the riches of his kindness, kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance. I think it's, it's, the village, since we moved in here, and I've actually been trying to get rid of this tagline, but it just sticks to us, and so I've, I've come to just accept it because I don't like taglines, but we, when we raised money for this building and when we really said, what's the village about? We said the village is about healing people one person at a time. And what we realize is that Jesus heals people in relationship through kindness. You and I do not move to repentance out of fear. We move to repentance and transformation out of kindness. Okay? And so, if you're going to follow Jesus, realize that it's actually about kindness. Now, Andrea started this whole accessibility sermon series two weeks ago. And she ended, I mean, the big main point in her, her sermon um, was that the symbol of God's accessibility is Jesus on the cross. The symbol of, of God's kindness is Jesus on the cross. So when we think about accessibility, I mean, all of you, except for the few of you sitting over there on that, I'm going to just tease you every week now, the four of you over there in the pew are not old enough to know anything. But the rest of you... <laughs> can look in the mirror, and you guys can too, and look in the mirror and you know, you know that the way you behave, the way you live, that there is an element like you deserve death. You deserve physical death. You deserve emotional death. You deserve spiritual death. You know that there's a consequence to who you are when you're honest. 
when you push aside all your skepticism and your angst and all those kinds of things, you know that there's a penalty that needs to be paid, right? And so Jesus on the cross is the hand of accessibility. Because Jesus says, no, no, I will die for you. God incarnate will die for you. And so that you and I can now have intimate relationship with God. And so I want to just pause here and say, I keep making this pitch. Go onto the website, listen to the sermons. I think I have a lot of valuable things to say. I know that you're going to tune me out. I know that you tune me out sometimes. I also know that you can't remember more than one or two things, and I talk really fast, and I'm not always very, you know, there's not a straight line in everything that I say, right? So you've got to kind of figure everything out. It's a great puzzle. So you need to go back to the website, but I also would just say, let me give a pitch, go listen to Andrea's sermon. It does a beautiful job in introducing accessibility. And if you want to be in the process of following Jesus and you want to invite people to follow Jesus, just start listening to those sermons. So, to follow is to be accessible. The closer you are in following Jesus, the more accessible you are. So last week, we talked about Matthew. And we said, hey, Matthew, I have to put faces on people because it helps me. Now, we said Matthew was not some puny little guy. He has to shake people down. He's a tax collector. Nobody likes him. People are trying to kill him. Vin Diesel seems to be a good character for that, right? He was He's the Vin Diesel of the disciples, right? And so you can have Matthew as Vin Diesel in your head. But as I was thinking about Peter, and we're going to talk about Peter and his call to follow Jesus, as we kind of learn a little bit more about what it means to be accessible, I thought Russell Crowe is the only one who could ever play Peter. Right? He should always play Peter, because that's basically who he plays. This hot-headed, good-looking, rugged guy who kind of stumbles through everything, beats people up, and kind of gets where he needs to go. Right? That's who Russell Crowe is. And then on occasion has these really amazing dramatic moments where you're like, wow, you really are a good actor. Okay, so just have Russell Crowe in your mind as we talk about Peter's calling. Okay, Now, Peter is a fisherman. And we're just going to look at his story and build on this idea of what it means to follow Jesus. And then I'm going to make some observations, and then I'm going to let you talk to me. So let's just kind of go through this narrative together. Luke chapter 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the words of God. Now here's a principle of accessibility. You are accessible, and you know you're accessible, when people are crowding around to listen to you talk about Jesus. So one of the things that I I want you to think about as we're going through all of this is to ask yourself, who's listening to me? Who's listening to me? Now I want you to see that Jesus is talking about the Word of God. And a lot of times, we as people who are Christians, followers of Jesus, we've kind of gotten this idea that the way that we're supposed to tell all the listeners about God is to really give them an element of judgment, right? You're doing this wrong. You're believing the wrong things. You vote for the wrong people. You have the wrong science. You're, and we, what we are are people who condemn, condemn, condemn. We have that nature. We are referees of morality, right? That's what Christians seem often to present as. But Jesus here, I think, is not refereeing morality. Jesus is bringing out the truth of the gospel, of the word of God. And so 
you will know that you're an accessible person when the people around you are talking about Jesus. When the people around you want to hear what you have to say about Jesus. So what I'm asking is, as you think through things tonight, as we're, you're listening to me, ask yourself, who's listening to me? If you're a mom or a dad or a school teacher, or it's your neighbors, you have kids, some people are always listening. So who's listening to you, and who are you to be telling about God? Who is it that God is asking you to speak about him to? So think about that. Verse 2, Jesus is teaching. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and that's Peter, so Russell Crowe, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, I want just, this is an important part. Peter is working nights. Peter's a night worker, okay? Fishermen don't fish during the day. Why don't fishermen, can anybody tell me why a fisherman doesn't fish during the day? Fish don't fish during the day? <laughs> well, where do the fish go during the day? Down, because it's cool, right? So Peter's done. He's gone fishing. He's cleaning the nets. He's tired, right? You know, I remember working nights, and, and I, I'm so glad that God has saved so many little old ladies trying to cross the road while I was driving home. Literally, I, I almost ran over two of them in like five years. Um, so I understand that Peter's like done. His body's done. Everything's done. But note what he's doing. He is standing near Jesus, and he is listening. He's listening as and I'm sure that he's been listening to him because I'm sure Jesus comes by and is talking to people and maybe he's borrowed his boat before. Now, Jesus asks for something from Peter. He sees Peter's boat and he says, Hey, Peter, will you push me out? Now, I think this is interesting because Peter's washing the nets. Peter is being asked, he's being inconvenienced, right? He's being inconvenienced. One of the things that you're going to learn as when you start to follow Jesus is that as you begin to listen to him, Jesus will slowly begin to inconvenience you. He will just ask you little things. And here's Peter, he's listening, and Jesus is like, hey, why don't you help me with my ministry? Push my boat out there. Push your boat out there. Peter doesn't seem to mind, right? And I just want you to think in your head, and we're going to touch on all this later, but think in your head, okay, I have been listening for a while, are there some areas that Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to come do this, and it's an inconvenience, right? And I'm not talking about the inconvenience of you sitting on your couch and being really comfortable and mom asks you to empty the garbage, though it may feel like that, that kind of inconvenience. It's, it's an inconvenience that's related to what Jesus is about. Okay? So, verse 4 says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, I want to just dispel a few myths. Peter is not a poor fisherman, okay? Just because the Pharisees later on after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven were saying, how are these uneducated men speaking so boldly or whatever, that doesn't mean that Peter was a poor man. Peter owns boats. Fish is a delicacy. Peter's not a, you know, he's not a, oh, I'm a poor, I don't know anything. He's a very smart man, and He's being asked a very interesting question. He's, he's being told to do something in a way that he's never done it before, right? Jesus says, go fish in the morning. 
Now listen to what Peter has to say about that. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Okay. Now he calls him Master. This is a key thing. It's kind of like saying Jedi Master. There's a lot of rabbis wandering around teaching. He's just saying, yeah, I'm going to give you that honor. You're a master. I'm sitting here listening to you. Your stories are funny. None of us understand them. You're always having to explain them later. I, I, but you're funny. I like listening to you. You make me think. But I've been fishing already. And we haven't caught anything. Now, as you listen, and as you find Jesus inconveniencing you, one of the things you're going to run up against as you follow Jesus, and we're going to connect this to all the accessibility in the end, but one of the things you run into is Jesus asking you to do things in a different way than you've ever done them that are comfortable to you, or to think about things in a different way than you've ever thought about them. And it's always going to put you at risk, and it's always going to maybe make you look funny. It's going to make you take a risk, and make it's going to expose you in some way. Right Now, what happens if... Peter says, sure, I'll do this, and no fish are caught. Everybody's going to laugh at him. Look at the stupid fisherman out there on the water trying to fish during the day. And he cleaned his nets, and now he's throwing them back in. What's his problem? Well, listen to what Peter says. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. It's not because I think this is a great idea, Jesus. I mean, you are a carpenter, and now you're a rabbi. I don't think carpentry must have worked out for you. So, sure, I'll do this. I'll, I'll entertain you. Peter at that moment did not know the choice that he was entertaining. He didn't know the the consequences of that choice, right? Because he didn't know that there was going to be a gigantic uh, church built on his grave that took 150 years to build. He didn't know that, you know, you all will be here because of him. He didn't know he was going to be the, the rock of the church. He had no idea what this choice meant. He just knew that Jesus was asking him to do something different. And so he does it. He lets down his nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now, if you decide, and I know all of you have these areas. I know, just if you think for a minute, you have areas where God's saying, hey, this is the area that you need to think about things differently. Let me tell you, something crazy is going to happen. You may catch a lot of fish, right? You may not catch a lot of fish, but here's the profitable thing that's going to happen if you go along with Jesus. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. When you decide to follow Jesus, here's what's going to happen. When you decide to do things differently, think things differently, you're going to all of a sudden realize who you are. And you are going to realize who Jesus is. Look what Peter says. First he says, I'm a sinner. Not a fisherman. He says, I'm a sinner. Go away from me. And he's changed his address. It was master. Now it's Lord. Lord is king. He's like, you're the king and I'm sinful. If you decide to follow Jesus and do something that he's asking you to do that's very drastic and seems like it's a little crazy, what you're going to be confronted with 
is who you are and who he is. You are going to be humbled in a very, very good way. You're going to experience humility. But listen to what Jesus is going to speak to you. In the midst of those moments when you're like, I'm a sinful man, go away from me. This is what Jesus says. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. But isn't that the thing that drives all of us? It's fear. We're terrified. To do the thing that God is asking us to do, that we don't want to do because it seems crazy. Jesus says, don't be afraid. And then he changes Peter's identity. He says, from now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. So not only does he say, don't be afraid, he says, guess what? You don't, you're not going to be a fisherman anymore. You're going to go after people now. People are who you're going to be about. He changes his identity. Part of following Jesus is that you're going to have all these moments where Jesus speaks your identity. He tells you who you are in the kingdom of God. And he invites you then to go learn about it. And he's going to call you then to leave everything. Right? He's going to call you to leave everything. He's going to call you to leave being a designer. He's going to call you to leave being a mechanic. He's going to call you to leave being a mom, a dad. He's going to call you to leave the thing that you hold on to that, that gives you meaning and purpose. And he's going to say, come, be part of the kingdom, do something of deep meaning, and I'll teach you how to do it. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed of who you are. So in this story, as we walk through it, there, there are some elements that I just want to make some observations about, and then I would love for you to kind of speak back to me. And I kind of want to talk about accessibility and following. So the first idea in this thing here is listening. And all of us are either in some of these stages or in one of them. But for some of you here, you are just in the listening stage as a follower of Jesus. You're just listening. And, I, and that's good because that's how faith, belief, trust comes. It comes by listening. But let me tell you something. I have a nine-year-old, and I understand listening. I've been telling him to do things, and it seems that he has no sense of what I've been telling him to do. He, he, just, he just can't get it, right? And so, of course, my wife has instructed me that I need to give more consequences so that he can listen better, right? So I'm, I'm working on that. But here's the thing. As a listener, as soon as you begin to engage and learn about Jesus, you're going to not want to engage and learn about Jesus. So if you're listening, take hold of it. Come here on Sunday. Get in a pilgrim group. Go to a monastic community. Come talk to me and say, hey, I want to know more about Jesus. I need to be connected to someone. I will connect you to someone. Listen. Now, that's the following part. If you're someone who's following Jesus and you're like, I'm, I want to be accessible, then guess what? You need to find your listeners because there are people listening to you. Now, if you're a mom or a dad, let me guess, and you have kids, let me tell you, there's listeners right there. They listen. They're always listening, right? This is an opportunity for you to talk about Jesus, to explain Jesus your neighbors are always listening. The people you work with are always listening. People are listening to you. So you need to ask God, who's listening to me, and what do I need to say? What do they need to know? Now, 
in this idea of accessibility and people are listening to you, I want to remind you that you have something really, really valuable. You have Jesus to offer. You don't need to offer you. All you need to do is offer Jesus. So who's listening? And if you're listening, you need to resist the urge to, to not pay attention. Asking. On the following end of things, as I said earlier, Jesus is always asking to inconvenience you just a little bit. And you know about this. Jesus says to you, you you need to talk to your husband a little differently. He says, hey, I want you to talk to this person on Sunday. I want you... And they're never really big things because that's the next step after listening. It's just, will you push my the boat out so I can talk? Okay. So if you're in that asking stage of following Jesus, my challenge to you tonight is do what he asks you to do because you're going to set the stage for a really cool adventure. Now, if you're following Jesus and you're looking to be accessible and you're engaging people, guess what you get to do? Inconvenience people. I am asking you to inconvenience everybody in this room and I'm asking you to inconvenience your friends, your neighbors, and your children for the sake of the gospel. So I'm not saying when you go home with your kids, ask them to empty the garbage more often than you do. I'm asking you to invite your children, to invite your neighbors to be part of your community. Inconvenience them a little bit. Say, hey, would you come and listen to the crazy guy with the curly hair on Sunday evenings with me and discuss how crazy he is? Be inconvenienced. Or if you've been walking with somebody, say, hey, I know you don't know a lot about Jesus, but you want to teach Sunday school with me? You want to do help me with Sunday school? You want to come to my monastic community and feed everybody? You want to cook for my church? Inconvenience people in ministry. While you're serving the community, invite people who, who are been listening, but they don't know if they're followers of Jesus. Invite them to actively follow. Okay? Be accessible. Get them to learn the principles and values of Jesus and the serving of people. And get them to teach about Jesus, even though they don't know a lot. So what is God asking you? How is he inconveniencing you? How is he calling you to inconvenience other people? All right, here's the big one. Upside down, right? Jesus asked Peter to think about something in a way that he's never thought about. He asked him to go do something that's exposing and is not the way that he normally would do stuff. He fishes at night. Jesus wants to fish in the day. There, there are things, I know, all of you, if you all just stop for a moment and say, Eric's crazy, what is he talking about? If you just put that aside for a second and think about it, I know that you all know there are things where God is saying, okay, it's time to think about something differently. And usually it falls in these categories. It's either with your money, it's either with your marriage, it's either with your roommate, it's either with your church or your job. Somewhere, One of those five things, God is saying, think about things differently. Maybe in your in your... With your finances, God is saying, hey, you need to have a financial plan to support your church. Maybe he's saying you need to spend your money different. Maybe he's saying, you haven't saved anything, you need to start saving. Or maybe he's saying, look, you're kind of a penny pincher and you're always worried. Go live it up a little bit. Spend some money. Enjoy what I've given you. Maybe he's just he's pushing against some rule that you have. It says, no, we don't do it this way. I don't do it this way. I can't do it that way. And God's saying, no, no, no. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's 
with your children. Maybe it's at your job. God's asking for something where it's, it just feels really big. I promise you that if you decide to do it, you will end up either literally or metaphorically with a huge boat full of fish and a really intimate experience with Jesus. Now, here's it. If you want to be accessible, here's the big challenge. You follow Jesus, and you ask people to follow you like you're following Jesus. It's time for you to ask people to change their thinking. As you look around in this room, in this community, I want to challenge you to say, okay, God, who is it in this community that God's asking me to go to and say, look, maybe you need to think about things completely differently. I just want you to think about that. Maybe there's somebody here. Maybe they're outside of this community. But I really want you to think, is there somebody that God's calling me to say, man, it's time to fish in the daytime, not the evening. I don't know what that looks like. But I think you do. I know you do. I know that God's calling you into somebody's life here. He said, I need you to go talk to them. You need to sit down with them. You need to care about them. You need to be bold in the way that you talk to them. I know he's asking you to do it. So go do it. Go take a risk. The last one is kingdom. This this is if a lot a lot of us actually I think find ourselves in this place a lot of times. And this is that we've had an experience with Jesus. Man, we can tell you stories about how we turned our thinking upside down and God has moved mountains and transformed people around us and we've been transformed and yet there's this identity that God's given us. He's spoken it over you. He said, this is who you are in the kingdom of God. And, and you're like, oh, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how to do that. And so you've been holding on to that identity, but you're unwilling to do anything about it. You don't want to go follow. Because what it means is you have to give up a whole series of other a whole series of other identities. What I would... Hey, Corey, can you shut that door? Thanks. What I'd like to invite you to do, and, and this is important, because I actually think, I mean, I believe in the sovereignty of God, and I believe you can make wrong choices, but I think tonight, if you're here, you have God is inviting you into something, and it's going to be really big. And it's going to change your life. And you're standing on kind of the edge. You have this identity. You know it's what God's called you to be. But you haven't followed yet. You haven't left behind things. There are things that you are holding on to. You're like, that's who I am. I don't want to give up my you know, TV time. I don't want to give up my identity as an engineer or a mechanic or, or you know, a housewife or whatever it is that you're holding on to as an identity. God's saying, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to have a dramatic impact in my kingdom, it's time to take hold of the identity I give you. On the accessibility side, this is one of the most powerful opportunities you have to be accessible to Jesus. You see, Jesus speaks or to people to Jesus. Jesus speaks identities over people all the time. He says, you're my child, you're my priest, you're my missionary, my preacher, my pastor, my servant, you have an opportunity to speak 
the identity that Jesus gives people over them. Because guess what? I know that you look around the people in this community and friends you have, you know what Jesus thinks about them. In fact, you actually know what Jesus thinks about them better than you know what Jesus thinks about you. Right? You can see it. So what I'm challenging you to do is to start speaking the identities that Jesus has given over people. Invite them to step into them and be part of them. So, to be accessible, the closer you follow Jesus, the more willing you're to engage Jesus, the more people are going to experience Jesus around you. It's that simple. Um, I actually don't have as much time as I thought. I have a few minutes. If you want to ask questions, you have thoughts, you want me to clarify anything, push back on it, go ahead. Give me a shout out or I will pray. Any thoughts? Yes? So how do you know what it is that Jesus is calling you into? Well, that's a good question. <clears throat> Excuse me. There with my voice. So hot. Um, well, I think before you ask answer, answer that question, you got to figure out where you are in that list. If you're in the listening stage, then maybe you don't know what that is and you're looking for people to speak it over. If you don't know what it is, go ask somebody to tell you in the community who knows you. That would be my answer. Yes, ma'am. But it is cool how he boistered his reputation. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Any other thoughts, questions, comments? All right. Anybody? All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for not giving up on us, continuing to call us, continuing to give us choices continuing to invite us into deep relationship with you and giving us the opportunity to invite others into relationship with you. I just ask as we sing, as we take communion, and as we eat together, that you would bless all of that, Jesus. In your name, amen. A couple ways to respond to the word of God. One is through giving. And if you are visiting with us, um, there's no need to give. If the last person would put the basket underneath there, I'm just gonna chair. I'm gonna pass this this way. Um, and let me just say, if you are a villager and this is your church, um, don't give to keep the lights on to pay my salary, but give because you came here and you experienced healing in some way. Give because you believe in the mission of the village. Give because that's what you want to support. So if you could do that, that would be great. The other way to respond tonight is there's a little black chair back there, and it's called a sinner's chair. And the idea comes from either the legend or the truth that Luther had a chair in his home called the sinner's chair. And when people needed prayer, they would go to his home and they would say, I have need of the sinner's chair. And they would sit in that and people would pray for them and sing over them. And so we've taken that 
and said, hey, if you need to be prayed for because of your sin or other people's just oppressing you, go sit in that chair. Someone will come and pray for you. Okay? Um, and, and also remember that you don't go there by yourself. Jesus is sitting there with you. And he's waiting for you there. Now, the third way to respond is through communion. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread of the Passover meal and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. And at the end of that meal, he took one of the glasses of wine and he held it up. And I always say this is really important to remember, is that when he held that cup up, there was been so many lambs had been sacrificed for Passover that there was a stench of blood. So when he said, my blood, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, like it wasn't just the words, it was the smell. It was very tangible that it was going to be his blood and his body broken for you. Now the cool thing about communion is that it's the one thing as Christians we say, hey, if you don't believe in Jesus and you can't stand with his broken body and his blood poured out for you, please don't come. But it's also very simple. You don't have to have everything right. You don't have to believe all the right things. You come to communion with an open hand. And you say, I'm a broken person. I'm sinful. I need Jesus' sacrifice. And I, this is an act of gratitude for that. So if you can do that, please come take the bread, dip it in the juice, as we just spend time worshiping God. So let's do that.